Hello and welcome to the Formidable Over 40 podcast. I'm Sarah Pittendrig, a mum, award-winning entrepreneur, cancer survivor, mentor and coach. In series two of the podcast, we're sharing new stories along with the ethos that you are never too old and it's never too late to design a life you love. On this episode, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by portfolio entrepreneur Emma Warren. Emma is a portfolio entrepreneur, including being a director at Hi-Ho Silver, who designed beautiful sterling silver equestrian jewellery, and Dimsey Glamping, a collection of award-winning five-star shepherd's huts set in beautiful Somerset. Emma also pays forward what she has learned from running her own businesses by providing coaching and strategy support for others to craft their future businesses and see clear paths out of challenging situations. Emma has so much advice and experience to share. Let's dive in and hear from Emma on this episode of Formidable Over 40. So good morning, Emma. What an absolute joy to have you here. How are you today? Morning, Sarah. Absolutely lovely to be here. Thank you. And yeah, I'm good because I'm sneaking off to Cornwall for a couple of days after this. So I'm very excited talking to you and going on holiday. So, Oh, how fabulous. A much deserved rest, I am sure. Yeah, <laughs> I am sure. So would you like to share with the listeners um, all about yourself, um, who you are, what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm based down in Somerset. So you and I are quite far apart, aren't we? But uh, uh, discovered a love for Northumberland up where you are this year. So very pleased about that as well. I'm a mum to two teenagers who've just gone off to university. They're in first year and third year. Bit of a transition yeah. for me as well in terms of my husband and I have <laughs> spending time together again so instead of standing on rugby touchlines I run a number of businesses as you've said we've just sold uh, my husband's precision engineering business so that was quite a busy year last year bringing that through and I also just absolutely love learning I'm a real believer in you you never stop learning and uh, I just love the things that you learn from business. Yeah, absolutely. Emma, so this podcast is all about championing the midlife woman. I'm very passionate about that. I'm a firm believer that you're never too old and it's never too late to design a life you love. What does being formidable over 40 mean to you? Well, I think it's very much the fact that there's a tendency in life, in the way that people think about things, that you decay every decade I've always thought about turning the decades Mm. and maybe because um, I sadly lost my father when I was 28. So it probably gave me quite an early Mm. insight into the fact that there is a mortality out there. So I probably from that moment on very much thought actually embrace every decade. And it kind of coincided as well with you know, like when you're younger, you're scared to go into a room and you think everybody's watching you. And I remember one day just going to a meeting and I, my car wasn't good and blah, 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 broke down, got there a little bit late. It was like a big village hall meeting. And, and the me under 30 would have walked away. And for some reason, the me over 30 walked in and just quietly sat down at the back and learned a lot type, type of thing. So I think probably that kind of little brush with mortality or big brush with mortality as it was at the time and just having the courage to do that made me think that as you turn a decade why not embrace it why not really like settle into your own because you've got more experience you've got more life and you are what you believe aren't you really at the end of the day and you don't see 
people over 50, people over 40 now, just sitting and waiting for things to decay. I think we're all really embracing moving on. And really, we get time, don't we? I'm just, you know, my boys are a bit Mm. older. I chose to have my boys older because I was working and whatever. And I'm just coming into Mm. a lovely area of rediscovering my husband. So I think it's really the fact that you don't have to let things define you. You can let them refine you. Mm. And that's always been my mantra, 50. I'm 55 now, so literally don't let it define me. Why doesn't it refine mm. me? What can I take from this decade? What can I grow into? So for me, that's it. It's that in, uh, embracing the freedoms of both time and expression that I think you get with a bit more gravitas under your belt. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And I can really, really understand that. And I think the the latter years of COVID and the pandemic has really sort of given people a bit of a short, sharp shock, really, about, you know, what how life can turn um, and how quickly it can turn. And, you know, potentially in, in our midlife years, we have got more years behind us than we've got in mm. front of them. And we've we've got to make them count. And, you know, there are many people who who I speak to can find themselves at a midlife crossroads. And I think what you're saying is absolutely right. It's to to take what we've learned through the decades, you know, we'll, there'll have been some bumps in the road and to use them and, 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 you know, make them the power to our elbow to design that life we love because it just isn't too late, no, is it? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I think as as people and particularly women, we tend not to recognise the transitions phases. So mm. even I can remember even when I, you know, I was bringing the boys up, all of a sudden, particularly with Fergus, who was our second one, I'd suddenly think, crikey, I haven't weaned him because I was really busy and I recognised that, you know, he was ready to move on and I hadn't taken that transition seriously. And yes. and I think mm-hmm. so the, the thing I thought from having, uh, that I took from having children and the learning that I took from it was the fact that, you as parents have to recognize the moments when you allow them to move into a next level of independence. And I think because I was probably watching for that, I got very um, fascinated by that whole change and transition phase. And that's probably where I do most of my thinking and most of my working now, really. I Mm. work on the stuff when there's something a bit crunchy going on or there's a change needs to happen. So kind of life and business have really come together for me. Yes, exactly. And I do think that's that midlife opportunity, isn't mm. it? Because we've been as someone's for many years and all of a sudden we now have this space to become that someone again. So, you know, you, you, you're that teenage someone and then you kind of go into that next decade where maybe you've got married in your 20s or your 30s and then you kind of become a someone's in amongst everything and your career and whatever it is that you, you're growing into and moving through. And then you, that sort of 40s, the nurturing phase mm. And then you kind of we get to our fifties where, yeah, like you say the kids have grown up. They're they're they're, you know, teenagers in the twenties, ready to ready to go. And rather than having this empty nest syndrome, it's like, right, what am yeah. I going to do? <laughs> this is my time to shine. I've put my shift in. It, you go and do what you want to do. I'm not going to sit here grieving. I'm here to support you, but you get out there because I'm coming after you, but going for myself. And I think that's so important, isn't it? It's to not have that 
because you do hear about many people do feel that empty nest syndrome and you know and it and they do feel a bit in mourning that their, their kids have, have have left home but i think like if what you've said you know we can use all that we've learned through the decades and turn it into that sort of superpower and put our own cloak mm-hmm. on and get out there and and make it happen yeah yeah because i think is someone said to me yesterday and i thought it was a really lovely quote that that with children you have to give them roots but you also have to let them fly and you yes. know you spend the early part teaching and things like that don't you but then you know i mm. think probably one of my best achievements uh, that you know i think andrew and i really can take is that the boys have started sorting things out for themselves. They've gone off to uni. Yeah. They're making their own decisions. They're being their mm-hmm. own people. And I'm like, high five. We yeah. raised independent beings. And I love that. Yes. What, whereas the mum side of me wants them to need us, the other side of me is like, wow, isn't that amazing that they can just yes. get on and we've, we've brought them up to be independent enough that they're they're doing things. And, yeah, they pick up the phone and ask and stuff like that. But ultimately they are becoming adults and I think back to that age and I thought I was really grown up at 18 at 25 I decided (laughs) I hadn't even started growing up and I'm not sure mentally my head went much past 20 so you know you don't feel this you don't feel that like you've put 30 more years on the clock so why act like it I know it's it's funny. I look back because William's 23 coming into 24 and I was married at 23 Mm. and I look at that and I look at him and I think how I couldn't even comprehend being 23 and being married. It just seemed absolutely madness that like now the way of the world and how things have changed through the decades. And and I look back and I look at myself and I think, how on earth were you married at the same age as your son? It doesn't even work. And it didn't work anyway. So that's probably (laughs) why. <laughs> that bit doesn't work, so we'll just yeah, yeah, move we'll past that. that. But but yeah, I find it very odd to to look at that. And the and the kids are today that they they've just got they're just yeah, so really savvy. savvy. Yeah. So don't you think that there's so much diversity in a room, and it's really easy to dismiss the views of like younger delegates and things like that because you've got experience and you know. But you know, one of the one of the best ways to v- develop your mind and to develop your business is to actually listen to views that are differing to your own and think about it and you know I've uh, Mm. you know I'm still very up on social I see so many of my friends that haven't really embraced it Mm. and because it's a younger thing type thing and you just miss I think that's part of what keeps me thinking younger is bringing in those diverse opinions but also Mm. when I was that age I believed I was grown up I believed I knew huge amounts Time has taught me that I still had lots left to learn. So I can't dismiss those views because they're not experienced. And I see them as yeah. the same age as my boys sort of thing. Um, so I think that's quite a salutary reminder as you develop and grow that actually probably yeah, absolutely. The, the root of competitiveness is in innovation, isn't it? It's in moving forward and 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 trying to be one step ahead. So you can't get that if you only look at your own view. Yeah. And again, the people who are smashing it are the people who are agile. And that's the thing. It's mm. about having that agility to and, and that flexibility and that and not fear of change. And I think we can learn so much through, fr- as you say, through the decades from from the younger 
generation in the 20s and the 30s, but also equally listening to the 70-year-olds and the 80-year-olds mm. and engaging in conversation with them. I just think there's, I think the art of communication is often missed and that's listening, listening before speaking. I think, you, you know, you can learn mm. so much by just by listening and, and not um, dismissing, like you say, people's opinions. You don't have to agree with them. Just take what you want no. and you can always leave what you don't need behind. Yeah, I, yeah, I totally agree there, Sarah. And I think that one of the things that it's important to share with people is that it is important to allow others to have their view because I think that in the outside world at the moment, we're, what we're very much seeing is that, you know, there's like narrowing down of views and closing off of things that don't fit your worldview. Well, if you don't ever consider things that don't fit your worldview, how can you actually form different opinions? Exactly. You know, eventually we're going to, I think Brene Brown, who's one of my favourite, um, you know, TEDx people things, she, she says it's, it's actually quite worrying. We're putting ourselves in silos and saying, I can only talk to you if you think like me. That's right. And, you know, so I think probably one of my like little causes or passions, if you like, as I get older, it's like, let's, yeah. let's think, you know, yeah. you can have a different opinion. I might think differently to you. You might think differently to me. Wouldn't it be brilliant if you educated me and I understood more? I may change my opinion, I may not. But if I don't talk to you about it, I can't move anywhere. And that's a dangerous move surrounding yourself with yes people. It's a real dangerous move because it's the biggest stagnator of growth. And like you say, you know, listen to what people have got to say. You can Mm. challenge it. You don't have to always agree with everything. But I do think that listening is is a real growth mindset. Yeah, I'm... I'm a big believer in the fact that you can, you should only worry about or care, not care about, because that sounds a bit like I don't care because I do, but there's no point in in losing sleep over things you can't control and you can't control someone else's thoughts. So better to think, let me understand them. And I may move away from it because it doesn't fit my brief, but it doesn't mean I don't like you. (laughs) It just means we don't mesh. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly right. Mm. And not to take it personally, not to take it personally. So now if we look at, we've talked about going through Mm -hmm. the decade. So if we go back and we look at Emma when Emma was 15. So what was Emma doing when she was 15? What were your hopes, your dreams, your aspirations? Well, I'm I'm a Navy child. So, you know, I'd moved around. We'd settled for secondary education Um, near my grandparents and I was doing languages as my GCEs and intending to do them as O levels and A levels and uh, and I hated Uh maths (laughs) and you're now talking to a qualified accountant don't tell me (laughs) I I have no idea I have no idea Um, but I I did learn it's probably taught me a really good lesson because I very much Andrew and I very much let the boys make their own choices about what they want to do because you know, things work out, don't yeah. they? Hey, you you learn. They roll and work out eventually. Yes, I, and you should do something you're passionate about, shouldn't you? And at that point, I was passionate about doing languages and wanting yeah. to go um, abroad and work in Brussels. Um, I, I think I wanted to be a bilingual secretary or something. It was. I just thought that was the most glamorous job ever. Yeah, I think I think I might have wanted to be one of them as well <laughs> when I was studying French. <laughs> 
They have pencil skirts and everything. Yeah, they always look really, ooh. <laughs> and, and, and things change, but they don't change, isn't it? I just spent most of my time trying to sew my school skirt up so it was tighter. LBO and, over the knee socks. Did you not have them with your little short skirt? Yeah, with the white elastic <laughs> yes. holding them up. The God, we are showing our age. We are definitely formidable over 40. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I'm going to get some of those white elastic garters again. So, yeah, so I don't think I... I I thought I had a clue what I wanted to do and then life took different turns and and I embraced it and here I am. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. So... We've we've touched on you being a portfolio entrepreneur. Obviously, I want to talk about that more because I'm a big fan of Hi Ho Silver. As you know, I've got my bracelets on today. Tell us about Hi Ho Silver first before we talk about your other businesses. How did you get into Hi Ho Silver and tell us about the brand? It's kind of a little bit of backstory needed mm-hmm. there as well. So I was um, an accountant in manufacturing. I'm a I'm a, a management accountant, so I learned about industry and how accountants can actually be useful to business i have a real bugbear that accountants get well certainly Mm. used to get written off as in the ivory tower and you know don't understand about business and i was like right well i'll learn about the business and then i can be useful so i'd been in corporate manufacturing i decided doing really well finance director ops director and after we had our second boy who andrew had two years Mm. off to look after James when he was first born our first and I just wasn't getting home and I wasn't seeing yeah. the boys and 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 I was like enough's enough you know I've done some you know those things mm. like I've done I'd done my um, accountancy I was a chartered director I'd done my MBA I'd done all of these yeah. things and it, but I'm not seeing my boys um so time to change we we've always been we've always embraced a brave step together because you know it's a bit like if you don't take a step, you never know, do you? No. And so I, I stepped out, and the idea was that I was going to stay at home and look after Fergus and Andrew. We just bought this precision engineering business, so Andrew was going to step into that, and I'd provide some strategic support from from home, sort of thing. And um, I was rubbish at it, Sarah. Six months in, and I'm like, oh, I'm mm. I'm probably not cut out to be at home all the time. Um, I don't think I'm going to be good. At it, and so I started doing a little part-time work, setting up a consultancy, doing some business consultancy, growth consultancy, and through that I started doing non-execs. The first job that I did was with a friend, mm. and we raised a load of funding for a company up in London. The bank saw me as a safe pair of hands and said, "We want you to stand as a non-exec." Um, so I did, and then I started non-execing for businesses. And Hiho is a really local business to me. I'd known them for a very, very long time. And they were at one of those points of growth where they needed a, a third, it was set up by a brother and sister, Andrew and Caroline. Originally, they needed a, mm. a third person in the team to help things move forward. And so I joined them as a non-exec originally. Right. Oh, how fantastic. And so now, I mean, it's it's grown hugely. I mean, I see it around the shows and how, how you've grown and done. What What's the future plans for, for Hi-Ho Silver? Oh, well, we did. It's, it was really odd when lockdown happened because Hi-Ho started oh, 27 years yeah. ago now and in the shows and went up to like 200 odd shows a year. So the show's mm. heritage of the business with Andrew is huge. So to suddenly not have it was like, whoa, what's going on? 
So we really just made sure that we thought really hard yeah. about what did we want the business to look like after lockdown, what changes were going to be happening. Um, and we've we've always very much been we, uh, early on. We kind of went if we don't like people or we don't like the idea, let's not do it. Let's not put ourselves in situations where yeah. we have to deal with not toxic, but yes. you know the the sort of situations that they're like, why am I doing this? I've always like do what delights you as much as possible. It's not always possible. Sometimes you have to do a shift and dig in. Yeah. But if it's really not delighting you, why don't you work a way out mm. of getting out of it? It might take you three months. It might take you two years, but why not? So I think one of the things that came out of lockdown was we were like, right, we mm. have a good show schedule. We know where we are. We want to keep it as part of the business. Yeah. Let's go and do it. We get to see the customers. And there's nothing better, is there, than actual direct feedback from yeah the the people who are actually using your products and it's it's a really good way of us us doing that yeah no it's it's absolutely fabulous and as i say i'm a i'm a huge fan i absolutely love your jewelry now i'd love to talk about dimpsey glamping i've stayed at your beautiful shepherd's huts in uh, somerset at your farm share with us um a bit about them and what got you into doing this beautiful glamping business Oh, good question. <laughs> well, <laughs> I always call Dimpsey my soul project. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, there's a side of me. Isn't it weird how you have these elements to what you do, you know, mother, nurturer, business, and, and there's a side of me that's extremely entrepreneurial and let's get on and let's do things. But over a slow time frame, you know, I'm never like, oh, we've got a target for this quarter mm. and we've got to hit it. Yeah. Um, because if you are in a situation where the business has grown enough that you are bringing income in, mm. then you can make longer-term decisions. So I've never really been like push, push, push yeah. entrepreneur. Yeah. But there's also a side of me that's very slow living. We live on a small farm on the Blackdown Hills. Um, I take myself off to retreats with people who weave and paint and all yeah. sorts of things. I am not that creative. I, my knitting looks like something that somebody with a blindfold on did. Um, but I love being around that energy. Yeah. And I'm very creative when it comes to the brand and thinking about that and the hi-ho and co days. So when we moved here and one of our aims was to be more sustainable and more thinking about what we do as a family and the impact that we have and things, it was gorgeous. And it coincided with us going to stay on a yurt farm one year for a holiday with the boys and they absolutely loved it in Wales. And then for my 40th, so formidable over 40, big change time. Yeah. Um, Andrew took me to a hotel down here called Barrington House, which is absolutely amazing. Mm. And you go and everything's there for you. It's really just there. So we had this beautiful land with these beautiful views. I'm an entrepreneur. So obviously you've got an asset you need to yeah. work it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the yurt farm planted a seed and then I went and did a little bit, you know, I went to two or three retreats mm-hmm. and things like that. And I thought we can do something here. And then in the local no- newspaper, two really energetic local young lads had bought, well, young to me then, um, <laughs> had had built a shepherd's hut. And I saw their very first shepherd's hut of Blackdown Shepherd Huts. Yeah. So I went along and had a look at this shepherd's hut, but I wanted a bathroom and a bed in it. I didn't want anybody to be coming and making the bed yeah. or trekking across the field because my thing was five star in a field. So I actually ended up, they rang me up afterwards in that classic way, can I have coffee with you? We've noticed that you've won awards for business advice and 
can we just come and have a coffee? And I actually ended up working with them on their business development, still do to this day. Mm -hmm. And then eventually they gave in and did a shepherd's hut, the turnkey shepherd's hut, which is now the the best-selling shepherd's hut that they've got, um, with a bathroom and a bed in it. And so then I had a lovely few months of, like, buying things for it. And I wanted it very much to reflect what we have as here it's you know the farmers here in the doomsday book there's a very special you've been here you know yeah, it's, it's very calm yeah it is it's very calm uh, and i wanted to introduce people to vintage pieces or local makers or people that i'd come across on these creative retreats so i kind of brought it all together into that and and the watchword has always been relax your body mm. recharge your soul yeah. rediscover each other or yourself yes. you know just come and have some time so it, it tickled along in the background as one hut. Yeah. Um, and now we're up to three. It's a bit more of a business. Andrew's going to be like running that side of things, the day to day of it. Now he's not in his business. Mm. And I think it, the reviews, the reviews are just where else do you get instant feedback? People leave yeah. and they've written in your book. how you made them yeah. feel. Isn't how lovely. that magical yeah. that I get to read that? Yes. Uh, uh, and it gives them space. Yeah. It gives them space to just be, and I'm a big believer that relationships, businesses, if you don't take some time out to step back and objectively look at the next step, yeah. you can't do it when no. you're mad busy. You can't. Because you're, you're you're like a pinball, aren't you? Yeah. And so we tried to create something that was really mindful and very welcoming. Yes. But also we leave people to it. You know, you, you make what you will of Dimpsey and it, it generally always is that you find some, not peace, more space. Yes, exactly. It's like a digital detox as well. And I think that's so what people need, yeah. isn't it? And to to create that space. I've, I've just started doing that myself. I realised that, you know, my head was in my bloody phone all the time. And I live in the most beautiful part. Like you live in beautiful mm. Somerset. I live in the equal rural Northumberland on a, on a hilltop and, you know, head in a phone and and missing out on all these beautiful things going round and it's new rules, you know, phone all social media off on a, on a Friday and just enjoy the being in, in a weekend because, and that's like coming to you, you know, I, 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 when I came down to yours with my husband and you've got that beautiful swing and you can just literally sit outside and take it all yeah. in and the bath outside, looking at the stars. I mean, people do need to take a step back, don't they? Because I think, especially at the minute, I'm speaking to so many, especially female founders who are feeling really burnt out. You know, they've been juggling yeah. the last two years of the pandemic, not to a standing you know, running businesses that had kids at home for homeschooling, that had maybe elderly parents who they couldn't even help, who they would normally help. The stress was unbearable. And now they're mm. still trying to, they're still doing their pivoting and they're, yeah. uh, and they're juggling and, you know, they're, they're absolutely knackered. I think, you know, time out is as important as time in, isn't it? Yeah. And don't you think as well, you know, you're, um, William's a bit older than my boys, but if you don't take some time out, and we've always gone away, you know, yeah, we've had a few days here and there. At first, you know, when they're small and they're really time-consuming, it was like it might have been a lunch or it might have been yeah. this, but you know. And I think that's something that's standing us good in good stead, transitioning back into being just a couple again because we yeah. kept that ability. And I think that's probably what really drove Dimpsey for me was that I wanted. Mm people to have that i wanted yeah. them to actually just be able to 
we don't have TVs in and they're like, oh, we actually had a conversation. We yes, haven't exactly. had a conversation without a dog wanting to go out or a, 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 and we don't generally, dogs don't come and we've got sheep, one reason, but the other reason is it's someone to look after. Yeah. While you're here. And exactly. I just want people to look after themselves and just, yeah. you know, just you don't chill do out. It. You literally mm-hmm. don't do it. Yeah, no, that's so nice. And for the listeners, would you explain to them where the name Dimpsy came from? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so I can't help myself. I teach people to be more focused and get like nail into something. Um, but I am an ideas person and I have to, you know, like put those balloons on a hook and leave them somewhere. The, the minute we've been to the yurt farm, it was hatching. I sat there and I was. And I was like, we could do this, we could do this. And the intent was always that we would develop something up here that when Andrew moved out of his business, we had a sort of a replacement income. And uh, so, and one day I was just going around and something came on the radio and I heard the word dimpsy and I was like, what's that? First thing you do is that you hear something. It's why you have to turn these stimuli off because you hear something and you're like, what's that? And it's it's a Somerset word for the half light ah, at the end of the day. Right. And I just love that because that's probably one of my favourite yes. times to go out with a dog and you get those colours filling yeah. the sky and it's just magical. And it, there literally is a point which I'd never noticed mm. until I came into where the light and the dark are just vying yes. for who's in charge. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's Dimpsey. Yes. Literally, that is Dimpsey. Um, in Devon, it's Dumpsey and that didn't feel quite so... Brand yeah, yeah. On me. Yeah. So yeah, so I got the domain name and trademarked it yeah. and thought, oh, maybe candle business. You know, maybe it'll be a candle business yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then when we went to to the yeah farm, it was like, I've got the name. I've got the Brilliant. name. And so yeah, so Dimpsey was was born and it's a it's it's probably a really good source of of reminder to me always yeah. to that the innovation comes out of the silence that's right movement forward yeah you know that 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 space is magical and if you don't have yeah. it it's really hard to see your way to the next step that is so true so everyone listening innovation comes from the silence not from your whirring thoughts take a step back that is wonderful mm. advice and emma so um what else have you got going on because you are an entrepreneur and like me i'm sure there are always some things new ideas going through your mind have you got anything else cooking up at the moment <laughs> any new ideas yeah I'm, i've just i've been working on kind of getting some of this knowledge out of my head and into somewhere helpful for mm-hmm. people my mate I, I laughingly with uh with black down guys and stuff i laughingly call myself nanny mcphee because i tend to I tend yes. to arrive, I'm, I'm not sure, I haven't got the wart yet, but um, I tend to arrive and do my best work when you can't see the way forward and you need a little bit of um, yeah. business input and things. And, you know, that's that's my yeah. bit. And you brilliantly get people into their mm-hmm. mindset place and move past things. I'm more like I can't see the wood for the trees in my business. What What do I do? You know, where where do I go? How do I channel that thought? And how do I leave those balloons on the hook and not chase rabbits everywhere? So, so yeah, so I really want to get that down, but I'm very mindful of the fact, you know, I used to coach years ago. Um, I do a bit of coaching here and there now, and I'm mm. very mindful of the fact that my that my first um, port of call is 
our businesses and the, the client businesses that I've got. So I'm trying to put it into a package that's there for people in a way that they can pick up when they want to. Um, and I've got so many amazing people yes. like you around and other people that I know and work with that I know that if there's a mindset problem, I'm going to go see Sarah, get, you know, get yourself past that block. Um, if there's a, you know, I need to do this problem. So I'm a really good referrer as well. So I, I feel like I yeah. could do it like that. Yes. Um, yes. Because don't you find that yeah, when you definitely. work with people, you learn. And yeah. That, that it, I think it's a really important part of what you do to grow is teach. I think it is. And I think it's really important to to play on your strengths and not try to mm. do everything and to know who you can comfortably delegate or refer to, you know, without mm. no like and trust. And I think that sometimes, you know, um, when people are anxious of, um, you know, releasing control, that's where the burnout can come in. You know, they want to try and do everything, whereas actually, you know, play to your strengths and there's absolutely no shame in delegating out and, and looking for support in, in other areas, you know, and, and people who, who, you know, can maybe advise and, and support you. And I think that is, I think that is so important. And, um, I see it and I'm sure you do a lot of, um, stronger women. I would, I would describe them as don't like to ask for help because they're very nervous that it will compromise mm. their authority. You know, we talk about through the decades and if you think about, you know, where you are now, you know, you're a very well-respected serial entrepreneur and you look at that authority that you've built up over the decades. And, and I think what happens is with the, with the strong woman, they're very fearful that if they show any vulnerability or are seen asking for help, that that co- that authority becomes mm. compromised, and therefore they hang on till they can take no more, and they get to a point where exhaustion has kicked in, and they just think, yeah. do you know what, I can't do this anymore, and that's when they ask for help at breaking point. Whereas if they can get comfortable with, you know, not having to be in in control, and not get to that point, let go, and not get to that burnout point, so. Talking about sort of the burnout and we've had, um, there's a lot of people sort of talking about imposter syndrome and, um, you know, people suffering with self-limiting beliefs, all of these sort of things that are holding them back from realizing their potential. And what we're saying is, look, midlife, this is your time to shine. So if you've got any of those self-limiting roots that need digging out, you know, crack on and, and you know, invest in yourself and do the work. Have you ever had any self-limiting beliefs through any of of your business journey? And if you have, how did you overcome them? Doesn't everybody? I, I think that's the magic, particularly when you coach and you talk to so many people. It's the same thing. Everybody um, really does that. And uh, and I remember at one point I had back-to-back two people that I was coaching and they'd been in a group together and they both said to me that they wished they could be like the other one, Mm. Mm. you know, and it really brought home to me that no matter how much you project that you're in it, everybody's got a duck swimming away with little feet going somewhere. Yeah. And if you never embrace that fear and, you know, feel the fear and do it anyway, Mm. um, you you, you can't move forward and then you just your little internal dialogue loves to keep you safe it doesn't want you to go out there and move things that it doesn't understand and things like that mm. so I think for me it's it's been you know I was 
I was a I was a board director in my late twenties in a manufacturing business with very grey suits on mm. the rest of the board, making presentations to them, and, and standing outside the room and like you know I know you've been the same like you're nearly vomiting you're so <laughs> nervous about it. <laughs> And someone said to me, they all wear underpants, you know, like just, just so, and I just depersonalized the situation and went in and I think probably learned early on that what's the worst that could happen. Yeah. And if you can cope with that, if you think it through and you can cope with that, then go for it. Yes, absolutely. Nobody, I don't think that, I think it's very, very few people in the world who don't get nervous about things. And my dad, one of the things that he regularly said to me was, as long as you get up in the morning, you're good. If you don't get up in the morning, you're not going to know about it. So (laughs) it's kind of like that for me, and that wouldn't work for everybody, but for me, it was like, actually, you're right. And, you know, when, when I stepped away from all the salary of my corporate role and we bought a business, Andrew got blood poisoning, nearly died. We had a new baby and it all felt really like, what on earth have I done? This is ridiculous. And I can remember thinking, just worry about today and tomorrow. Yes. And that is such good advice. As long as we're happy to, you know, live in a lay-by in a caravan, as long as we're together. And I think probably that's a source of, that comes with age or an experience that happens that gives you that confidence. But something happens somewhere along the way, some earlier for people some later for people but there's always a pivotal event that you actually get that insight that yeah I I just don't worry about I can't do all of that and I can't do all of this and whatever but what can you do what little bit can you do towards it um so yeah I I still get nervous yeah I still get nervous about things yes Um, I've just got better at not letting it control me Mm. and I think living in the now is very important because the now is all we've got yeah you know, and then so much um, worry, which attacks self-limiting belief and confidence, comes from the worrying about tomorrow, whereas yeah. and and missing the now, and yeah. and that's something that I've really taken on board. Um, just even just recently, these last few months, really, about yeah. you know caring. I'm, I'm caring for a terminally ill aunt at the moment, and you know her life was amazing you know she had the most wonderful career she traveled all over the world and i'm i'm looking at her now and how how she is and i'm thinking we've got now do you know what mm. I mean? we've got now and we've got to make it count because we do not know she was driving 12 months ago at 90 yeah. and she like exactly. two, she was still 91 she was still driving she just got rid of a car last year and 92 she's terminally ill you just do not know what's around the corner and i think worrying about tomorrow is, uh, you know, again, another massive contributor to burnout, massive contribute to, uh, you know, attacking your confidence and anxiety. Whereas if you can just live in the now and enjoy the moment and be more grateful for what you've got, yeah. you know, we always hear people saying, oh, I haven't got, I haven't got. But if you actually flip that mindset and think about, right, what have I got? What have I done well? Uh, you know, that again is a is a, a another confidence booster. I think stop personally attacking yourself. Talk to yourself as you would your best friend if they came to you for advice. Yeah, yeah. Aren't you your own worst critic? You know, I had a a, a meeting on Monday that I went to, and I came out 
beating myself up about something that I said rather yeah. than celebrating what went well yes. in the meeting. We always focus on that 1% that, you know, whatever. And, and your own you're your own worst critic. And mm. sometimes that's good. It inspires you to move on. But trying to keep that objective yeah. and a review of what happened, what do I want to change, um, you know, so that it doesn't happen again is is a much healthier place, but it's really hard to get that one step of distance. And we're our own worst critics and we're our own worst. Nobody, absolutely nobody <laughs> expects us to do everything. Yeah. We expect ourselves That's to do it. everything. And, yeah. uh, you know, I can't be, I'm really lucky. Andrew's so supportive. We work very much as a team and stuff like that, but mm. I can't, be who I am and have an immaculately tidy house so I like yeah. I leave go come into my house it's full of dust it looks at it but do you know what there's always a welcome there's always a cup of tea yes and yeah. you know I've never had to nag the boys about making a mess in the house because I don't worry about it. it's not got white carpets I don't worry about the floor isn't it yeah. better to have a relationship with them where they That's feel it. comfortable and I'm not nagging them and all they think yeah. about in the time I have with them is mum's getting on at me again yeah um, so exactly I remove things that could do that and I removed the pressure on myself to mm. excel in every area I excel in the areas I enjoy you yeah. know I love cooking absolutely love it but I don't have to do it I'm equally um happy that Andrew does it or the boys have a go mm. um or we get a takeaway whatever it, I don't have to define myself by being the one and I think you're right that need mm. to have control that need to to do everything can can one limit you but two it can really really put you through the mill and actually you're you can take control of that and you can say actually I'm you know it's more important for me that I go and have a walk or watch yeah. rugby with the boys or whatever mm. and other things will wait yeah absolutely that is is so it and I think you're right it's it's about trying to it's pretty I think social media is is fantastic. I'm I'm a big fan of it, but also I think it's a double edged sword because I think it's also created this um this perfection sort of funnel where everyone's thinking, oh, we've got to be this, got to be that, we've got to be all things to everything. And I think you're absolutely right. I think you should just step back and do more of what you love. And people mm. talk about balance, you know, and oh, you've got to live a very balanced life. And and what is a work life balance? And the reality is, if you're happy. In everything that you do, you're balanced. So surely the secret is get rid of what you don't want to do. Yeah. Whether you have to delegate it out and, and if your house isn't as clean as you want it and that causes you stress, you can always get a cleaner. Do you know mm. what I mean? If your grass is long and you can't cut your grass and you'd rather spend your time with your family, then just see if you can pay someone to cut the grass. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, you don't have to be stressed about everything or the grass can just bloody be right. left to grow and, the, the, and the dust can and the <laughs> dust can yeah exactly and the, and the dust can gather you know um I think uh yeah I think it's just this um this role of of people thinking that they have to be perfect and it's it's yeah, not it's do more of what you love absolutely do what delights yeah. you and if you're not doing it see how you can get to doing yeah. it because you know it's not all perfect yeah. I do crappy jobs that I really don't want to be doing but that frees me up the time to to really do things that I want to be doing. And you can't, I think you're right, the social side of things, it does make you 
yeah. think, oh, every, everybody else has got it all and things like that. And I think we, you know, I love what you're doing. I love the conversations that you're having. I think you're shining a light into such a shadow area that yeah. can really um, hold people back. And, but we as brands, you know, because you've got your businesses as well, don't you think we have, uh, hi-ho, since early days of doing mm. the, the social, and we moved over to Instagram really, really early, I have... yeah always celebrated our customers and if you share a photo with it it will go on there i yeah. do not mind not everybody because i can't yes. do all of them yeah. but i love seeing our customers right. in our jewelry it's from mucking out to going out that's what we're about we're part of your everyday life the the crappy bits and the glamorous bits and and i love that our customers show themselves mm-hmm. yeah you know in the stable literally mucking out um or, or walking the dog and the funny sides of them and things so we've we've never had a really polished feed. If you if you look at algorithms for what Insta wants for jewelry, it wants like pastel backgrounds and long flowing things, and that just doesn't fit who we are as a brand. Yeah. And I'm quite happy to stand on our brand values and be that person who says we love you. You don't have to look like anything. Yeah. Isn't it? Isn't that the brilliant bit about jewelry? It doesn't care that I need a big belt <laughs> or um, you know my bum's a bit fat. Uh, so we can help people celebrate because we do fit a lot of people. So yes, yeah, it's, absolutely. It's, yeah, you know, I think the brands have a responsibility to help that balance. That yeah. is an area where I really do think there needs to be balance to, to change. Yeah, definitely. Now, what I'd like to do um, is pay. Ask you to pay forward some advice yeah because there could be someone listening there could be someone sitting here saying do you know what i feel stuck i'm at a crossroads i've i've had enough um i'm inspired by emma's journey i want to do i want to do something else what would be your advice if someone sat there just feeling really stuck and not really knowing which way to turn to you know to push themselves out of that that sort of hole they might have found themselves in i think it's probably be brave enough to have a look at it objectively yeah so again take yourself to some space Hmm. you can't you can't you literally cannot move change while you're running around like a lunatic so you know take yourself somewhere where you've got an hour two hours and a cup of tea even it you don't have to go away if you can get away brilliant um but just take yourself with yourself a blank piece of paper look at what's going on Mm. look at what you'd like to be going on and map a tiny step to get there. Yes, yeah, definitely. Uh, and, and, and stop trying to put your arms around the world and make it all happen and then beat yourself up because it's not. Exactly. It's, it's tiny steps. Change happens. You know, some change is like a cataclysmic. <laughs> it comes in and you have to cope with it, yes, COVID. Yes. You know? But I couldn't control it. No. I couldn't control COVID. What I could control was our reaction to it. Exactly. Like how do we look after people? How do we understand yeah. the facts? How do we communicate well and things? So, yeah. So, yeah, I think it's that. I think it's like it's a journey mm. and you take steps. Yeah, absolutely. And if you break it down to that and your next step is I just need one thing mm. to happen. Yeah. And you make a little step and the next day one more tiny thing and you make a little step. All of a sudden at the end of the month you've probably got far further to move yourself forward than when you were sitting there thinking I should do, I should do, I should do, I should exactly. do. Exactly. So it's it's that. Where are you now? Yeah. Where do you want to be? What's your first step to get there? It's so true. I've just gone through a very similar thing myself because I, if anyone who's read my book, I'll have a, a, a little plug there for it, the I Can Method. I've um, read it and Emma's really read good. it. And in that book, Emma, you'll see that I 
stopped writing. Uh, panic took over and so forth. And for one reason or another, you'll have to read the book if you're listening. I'm not going to give the story away. And I couldn't really? and, I, and I couldn't write anymore. And the other day I decided, you know what, after all these years, I want to get back on that horse. I want to ride again and I want to feel that freedom I felt before panic consumed me. And it's exactly what you've just said. The tiny step was getting on. Well, actually, the tiny step was going and buying a pair of boots to ride in. Really? That that was the first step because my 20-year-old uh, Timberland boots that I used to ride in all those years ago were no good. So it, the first step was literally going to buy a pair of boots to ride in. And I'm already back on and, and enjoying it and riding. And that's what it is. It's what is it that you've got to do that very first step to take you to where you want to be? And before you know it, yeah. all those little steps, they'll, they'll, they become giant leaps, don't they? Yeah, they've moved yeah. you. They've moved yeah. you. And how good did it make you feel to be back on a horse? Mega. Absolutely mega. Yeah. Love it. Absolutely love it. I'm just so happy. My little face is like, ah, you, you'll see if you're on YouTube, but you won't see if you listen on your podcast. It's like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, super happy. Yes, super happy. So, oh, this has been an absolute joy. Thank you, thank you. Now, what I want to um to just ask you is for anyone listening, where will they find you? Where will they be able to um, you know, get onto websites or socials for your uh the businesses Hi Ho, Dimpsey and, and anything else? Yeah, so I'm I'm on LinkedIn. Uh so I'm Emma Warren. Uh-huh. One, I think, or, no, at Emma Warren on LinkedIn, um, and then at Emma Warren underscore one on Insta, and that links you off to at Hi Ho Silver UK and at Dimpsey underscore Glamping. So Insta is probably my gateway to to find me. So. All right. That's absolutely fantastic. Well, thank you very much, Emma. So what I just want to do now is to thank you all for listening. Thank you very much. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Formidable Over 40 podcast. Thank you so much to the fabulous Emma for joining us. Head to the show notes to find links to Emma's social and how to find out more about her work and businesses. Follow the podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And please do share Formidable Over 40 with anyone you think will enjoy it or needs it. And if I can be really cheeky, if you have enjoyed it, please rate and subscribe. Thank you, Emma. Oh, thanks, Sarah. It's been an absolute ball. Oh, thanks, Emma.